unto your throne where we belong. Every heart will sing that Jesus is Lord, casting all else aside for the joy of our Christ. Let your glory fall. Our hearts are filled with your fire. They're filled with your fire. Oh, Jesus, this morning, Lord, we do want to run to your throne. Lord, would you, would you fill every heart today? God, as we take time to listen to what you have to say in worship, as we take time to listen to what you have to say in your word, God, will we just receive the fullness of your spirit today? This morning, just open your hands up and say, Jesus, I just want to receive from you today. God, we're so good. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Didn't want to miss that, man. Those guys did such a great job. You know, our youth, I was talking to uh, Pastor Omar just before church, and he sent me a text, and he goes, hey, all those kids that were up there, because they were up here last night, I said, yeah, he goes, in three years, they're all going to be 21. Let's plant them as a church. I was like, all right, (laughs) I'm sending you with them. (laughs) You know, I didn't get that part, but I'm telling you what, tell you what, that brother can bring it. Aren't we blessed here? We've got a great church. Man, I love this place. You love your church? I'm glad. Hey, listen, we just finished our 21 days of prayer and fasting where we spent time literally taking the first part of the year to set it apart and say, God, we just want to hear from you and know what you have for us, not only individually, but as a church body. And several of you took time to fast. Man, I got to hear stories of, of families that fasted together. I got to hear stories of people who fasted individually. Some of you fasted food. Some of you fasted media. Some of you fasted all sorts of things. And I want to tell you, it's been wonderful to hear the reports of people who said things like, man, I don't know what it is, but there's a clarity about my time with God as the result of me taking time to do that. A bunch of you actually took time to do our life, our, our journal reading together, where we had a journal for you, and you guys all filled in all the blanks, and you did what we called Lexio Divina. How many did the Lexio Divina at all this, this Lex, last time? That's a hand, bunch of you, all right. The, the bunch of you, Lexio Divina is just kind of this Latin way to say sacred reading, right? It's just an opportunity for us to read the Bible together in a different method than you may have been used to. And a bunch of you did that, and it's been an awesome time. Now, some of you are wondering, like, now that the journal is over, there's 21, in, there's 21 pages in there that had all of that. What do you do now? Right? I'm glad you asked. I want you to continue reading your Bibles. And if you're interested in doing the Lexio Divina model and continue on with that, because let me tell you, so many of you, if you don't know what that is, right, the Lexio Divina is where you take a smaller portion of Scripture and really let it ruminate in your heart, right? So you read it over and over and over. And there's a method that I can show you. But, but I'll tell you what, if you grab one of those journals if you need to to see the, the method. But listen, if you want to get the Scriptures to do it with us, then there's two websites you can choose from. One is called, it's one word, wordlive.org. You can go there. I think it'll up on the screen. Wordlive.org. Or a bunch of you have that Bible app called Version Bible. How many got that? A bunch of you, right? You can go into the plans, the reading plan section, where you can pick a plan to read. There's all kinds of reading plans in there. But one of the plans is called Word Live, right? So just pull up a plan, and you'll be reading with the rest of us, all right? Just every day, you open that up and then read together with us. It'll be a lot of fun. Amen. Amen.
Well, listen, I am so glad you're here this morning. We take this time in this part of year to, to really uh, spend some time hearing what it is God's saying in the middle of our fasting. Now, I want to tell you this. Sometimes fasting can uh, be difficult. Uh, sometimes what's more difficult is how we get off of a fast, right? Too, too many times we just go barging in. Some of you have been like, I've been fasting hamburgers, but after church, I'm going for it, right? Some of you are like, I've been fasting media. Here comes the 24-hour binge, right? So, all right, do yourself a favor. Let me help you come off of a fast, right? Now, remember, remember what we had a couple of weeks ago when I, when I stood up here with a bag of dirt? Remember that? And some of you thought I was calling you a dirt bag, right? So held up a bag of dirt, and I said, that's your flesh, right? You tell that bag of dirt what to do. Well, you've been doing that now for a bunch of weeks. It would be a shame to just put that back on, right? So, so let's take some time and really think it through. So, so I came up with this acronym, L-I-V-E, live, right? L-I-V-E. What I want you to do is this. I want you to learn how to live with what it is you've been taught. Write this down. L stands for this, listen, right? I want you to listen to what it is that God's been saying to you. Write it down, uh, put it on your forehead, whatever you gotta do, right? Listen, right, what he said. This is what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 8.32 says this. It says, and now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways and hear, inst- hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. The Bible says to listen, all right? Next thing I want you to do is this, internalize, right? In other words, now that you've listened, now you get to choose to internalize it. Right? You can hear stuff or you can really hear stuff, right? And you hear stuff, you say, God, I'm gonna internalize it. In other words, what is what you've been saying? How is it going to show up in my life? How do I get to internalize it for me? Listen, internalize, right? Visualize. You need to make a plan. Right? Imagine yourself making a plan. How many of you decided at some point in life, I'm going to lose some weight or I'm going to start working out? Right? I mean, you could say that until you're blue in the face. But until you step up on that treadmill and start walking, right, you're not working out. You know what I'm talking about. You go to the gym or whatever it is that you do. You can make all kinds of great motivational things, but until you actually make a plan to get there. Right? Listen, internalize, visualize, and get this e-exercise. Right? I want you to work it out. You can go to the gym, but like I said, you got to get on the treadmill, and you got to work it out. Now, why do I say that about this word live for you coming off of a fast? Because this is now the time when the enemy goes, hey, go for it. And then you just start going crazy, and next thing you know, sometimes we can, we can overshoot the runway a little bit and get ourselves in trouble. So do yourself a favor and slow down. Continue to have your devotional moments. Continue to spend time with your family. Don't run past this and learn how to live. Amen? I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, thank you for a church that took time to hear what you have to say. God, may we not only hear what you had to say, but may we learn to live in what you want us, you've been saying. Help us to walk this out, God. Thank you for your faithfulness in talking with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, uh, gosh, when my kids were little, they're all now in their 20s, and two of them are married, and they're all big and not nearly as cute as your kids, right? So they're fun and all, but when they have babies, they'll be cute again, right? So I'm just telling you, right? So when they were little, we used to have these things in my family we would call family meetings, right? Family meetings. We'd have them periodically, and sometimes we'd have a family meeting. That's when we'd get together and we'd talk about what we were going to do or how we were going to spend our money, you know, because oftentimes... One of them wanted to go to a football camp. One of them wanted to go to the cheerleading camp. One of them wanted to go to a track camp. And then they all wanted to go to youth camp, right? And you know, parents, that's a lot of dough. 
And you're thinking to yourself, like, what are we going to do, right? So then we would sit down in our family meetings and we'd say, let's talk this through. If we're going to do that, then we can't do that, right? We would have the moment where we come together and talk. Our family meetings were not very formal. Oftentimes we would do them in a kitchen, standing around the, the, the whatever the thing, island. Or, or we could, or we'd do it in the middle of the minivan as we're driving, right? And I would just declare, family meeting, we're having it now. And so they'd all just quiet up and just listen, right? In the family meetings, not only did I declare what we, where we were going to do, but sometimes those family meetings could be moments of correction. You know, things that we were going to do, we would remind ourselves of some of the family rules. Right? That's where we came up with a couple of rules that we learned early on in our parenting from this great class we saw, but we kept it with us, and we had to remind it often, was a rule we called the interrupt rule. And we've heard of the interrupt rule. Awesome. Here's what the interrupt rule was in my family. Here's what we did. Our kids were littler. You know, kids would walk up to you when you're talking to another adult, and they would say, dad, 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 dad. And you, you, all of you were just like, enough, right? You know, and so, so because it drove us crazy too, you know what we would do? We would tell our kids, listen, here's the deal. We know that you want our attention. So at a family meeting, we said, if you want our attention, put your hand on our hip. I'll put my hand on your hand. That'll let you know that I heard you, so stop it, right? And then I'll excuse myself when I'm finished what I'm talking about, and I'll talk to you. And so they would do that, right? So that was a part of our, we would come up with other things in our, our, our family meetings, right? We came up with uh, all sorts of things. We came up with the um, nothing good happens after midnight rule, right? Yeah, and they got a little older. Nothing good happens after midnight in Jesus' name. <laughs> Parents, say amen. amen. Come on, some of you, it's nine o'clock, right? We also came up with the permission rule. We called it the, the ask permission rule, right? And the ask permission rule was this. Our kids oftentimes would come with their friends. Standing next to them, they would say, hey, mom or dad, can they spend the night? Or can we go to the movies with them? And the ask permission rule in our house was, if you ask us permission in front of a kid, another person, the answer is automatically no. Just automatically. So even if it sounds like a great idea, it's just No. We love you so, because you're not giving us a fair opportunity to actually discuss it with you. So that's just no. So they didn't. They stopped asking us. Well, they didn't always stop, but that was the plan, right? We came up with those corrective measures in the middle of our family meetings. Now this morning, I want to spend some time with you in a family meeting for our church. Why do we have a family meeting? Family, you know why we have family meetings? Because Jesus had them. You know, Jesus had family meetings. I don't know if you realize that. Jesus had time with his disciples where he would pull them away from the rest of the crowds. Jesus had time with his family meetings with his disciples where, you know, there, there's the crowds and then there was his disciples, right? The crowds. That, the crowds were these people were like just a whole thousands of people would show up in the crowds and then Jesus would pull his disciples away from the crowds to get away. Sometimes he would pull them to get on the other side of the lake, Right? And I always think to myself, remember Jesus was in a boat. The Bible says, let's go away to the other side of the lake. They get in the boat. They're going across. And, and they get to the other side, and 5,000 of their closest friends were waiting for them, right? And you just got to wonder, what did they talk about on the way over? You know, what was going through their minds? I don't know about you, man, but if, if it's like Jesus was anything like me, we had, they had a family meeting in the boat. You know, things like, hey, listen, guys, you need to know. That God, I mean, I don't know, maybe he told them that God was all powerful, God was all able, God could do anything. <clears throat> they get to the other side of the, the, the shore, and you know what happened? All of those 5,000 people, plus men and women, were sitting there, and they said this, we're hungry. 
And Jesus looks right at his disciples and he says this, you feed them. It just seems so cold and calloused because we don't know what happened on the boat. They might have had a family meeting and Jesus could have said to them, listen guys, when that happens and you get into a moment, you trust God or you trust, you trust yourself. They had a family meeting. Jesus also took him up into the mountains, right? It says they pulled away up to the mountains so that they could spend some time alone with Jesus. Jesus said he pulled them away at different times to quiet places. Why did Jesus do that? Now, oftentimes, Jesus would tell a parable, and, and the crowds would hear the parable. Jesus would say, consider the lilies of the fields. They don't labor or spin or do whatever they do, right? And then, then all the people in the crowd would be like, oh. And the disciples would be like, huh. And then Jesus would pull them aside, and they would say, what does that mean? I have no idea what you're talking about. I love that. And Jesus would use his family meeting times to say, hey, this is what I meant by that. Right? And he would tell him. He'd just unpack it all. And sometimes in the family meetings, he'd be pretty corrective. He'd say, listen, we're not doing that anymore from this point forward. I love that because he did that. I want to take some time with you and have a PSCC family meeting. Some churches have business meetings. We, we have family meetings. Why? Because if you're part of this family, I want you to be part of this family. And hear what we're talking about. We're going to talk a little bit about things that we've done, things where we're going. There's going to be encouragement and maybe time for applause. There's even going to be time, like just in my family meetings, maybe it's some time of correction. Where we get to go revisit some rules that we have as a family, right? We're going to talk about that this morning. Now, what if you're a visitor here or the first time here at Puget Sound Christian Center? First of all, welcome home. Glad you're here. And maybe you'll decide today that this is your church. I always find it so funny because in the middle of a family meeting, I've found that more people join our church than almost any other service. So I don't know if you're here or not, or you're listening to us online, but I'll tell you, I just want to let you know, welcome home. This is a really safe place, and I'm glad you're here. I want to spend some time talking to you about our family meeting. Our family meeting. I love this. Right on. Let me tell you, first of all, about our church's mission. You know your church has a mission, Right? There's like 35 years ago, Polly and I were actually like Ellen. We were the youth pastors here at this church. Long time ago, right? I don't know if all of you knew that. Our church used to meet just down the street on 56th Street across from 7-Eleven. Right over there, right? A little neaky place. It was awesome, right? No air conditioning in Jesus' name. It, it, was, it was a mess, right? And every now and again, you were on staff when they threw a pair of keys at you. And they were like, okay, you lock up. You know, so I mean, it was a whole different story. But I'll tell you what. I learned so much about walking with Jesus by walking as a leader in this church. Well, then I was sent out to go be on staff at a church and eventually sent out to plant a church. And I came back here to take over the church from my spiritual father, Pastor Tom Eisenhart. And you know what happened? The vision didn't change because I'm from this house. The vision for this house is that we were all called to reach lost and dying people. It's been the mission and vision of this church for a long time. In fact, one of the, the mission statements from long, long ago for PSCC used to be this. We are a mission that happens to have a church program. You know what I'm talking about? Because a lot of churches have church with a missions program. They're like, no, 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 we are a mission with a church program. I love that. You think about that. What does that say? It means we're all missionaries. So how do I say it as your pastor now? I say it this. That our, my job is, to, our job as the church, our mission of our church is this, to send loved, mended, and trained people out. Amen. Say that with me. To send loved, mended, and trained people out. Why would I have you say that? Have you say it because I want you to believe it, right? That, that you think this is a part of your church. So when you're called to go do something, it's because you're fulfilling the mission. 
If Puget Sound Christian Center's mission doesn't fit you, will you talk to me? And I'll help you find a church that does fit you. Because wherever it is that you are, you be there. And you fulfill the mission of that house. Amen? God didn't call any of us to to sit around and be spectators in the body of Christ. He called us the body of Christ. Not a collection of body parts of Christ. Right? Come on. We're a body. We work together, right? So if you're part of the family, then you're part of the family, right? That's the, amen. There's no guest in the family of God. You're a family or you're a guest. Right? I want to tell you this, man, if you're part of the family. Now, how do you fulfill the mission at Puget Sound Christian Center? I'm glad you asked. Here's the easy way to remember. Three S's. Show up, sync up, and serve. If you're doing show up, sync up, and serve, you'll be fulfilling the mission of our church. What do I mean by that? Show up. Show up is way more than attending, right? You know, ask your wife. You could show up to that dinner party, right? Or you can show up to your marriage, right? You show up to your marriage and your wife knows you're there. Or your kid, you could show up to your kid's soccer game with your phone. Or you could show up to your kid's soccer game by watching them, right? You come be a part of this church and you show up. You show up. Sync up. What does it mean to sync up? It means that you can't do this alone. You gotta get involved in the lives of people one way or another and connecting with each other, right? Show up, sync up, and serve. Why serve? Because when you serve and give, I'll tell you what happens, man. You find out who God created you to be. You, you find out how you fit into the rest of the body of Christ. And, and when you start to serve, you know what happens? Humility comes alive in you. And you stop thinking the world revolves around you. So many of us suffer with anxiety and depression. And we get so uptight. And, and some of us are even on medication. And what happens then is that, let me tell you this. If you want to find some real health, start serving and getting out of the inside of your head. I can tell you that. Because all too often, we get inside of our heads and we, we get so filled with anxiety and so filled with th- depression. And we never get outside of our heads. Start serving somewhere. And you watch and see God begin to release you from some of that. Amen. In our church, every fall, we launch what we call our annual theme. Right? Our annual theme. What is that? Our annual theme is, is really what we feel like God's telling us to embark on for that next 52 weeks. So this last fall, we decided that God was leading us to a place of two words in our theme. You know what they are? Make room. Right? You said that with me. There's signs all over this church that say make room. Right? Make room where? You make room in your heart, right? You make room in your church. You make room in your family. You make room all over the, you make room for Jesus. You make room for the Holy Spirit. You know, that's why I came up here and sang to start with, because I wanted to just get going. But the Lord said, are you gonna make room for me? And what happened when we paused and sang that chorus one more time? I know you were reached. That something happened in your heart. Why? Because we made room. Friday night, we had this amazing prayer time, and we sat down. We, we went around all these stations that we had all over the room, seven different stations we could. We wanted to reflect and hear what God was saying. You know what we were doing that night? Making room. Church, Jesus wants to speak to you. The Bible says, my sheep know me, and they hear my voice. Literally, listen to my voice. That's what God wants us to be about. We're a church that sends love, mended, and trained people out. You do that by showing up, syncing up, and serving. And we have a theme for this year, which is to make room. Man, if this is your home, then be here. Somebody say amen. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Let me tell you this. We have an amazing staff at our church. And I know that because I've been on a bunch of church staffs over the years. 
And I also know that because I oversee a bunch of churches that have church staffs. Let me tell you this. We got a good one. I'm telling you, they're really good. Let me tell you that our, your staff believes in making room. You know why? Because they made room in their lives. I've never been a part. In fact, it's unprecedented. <laughs> At the beginning of the fall, some of you were just thinking like, well, it's more normal. But in the beginning of the fall, we had like major transitions happening. Like we sent out our worship leader and his wife, Nate and Corey, right? And then we made room for Laura to come up here, Laura and Wes. You got to see her up here leading these kids, right? These were all the kids. These kids, she made this worship team when they were leading worship in youth group. And they came up here and I just texted her. I was like, you gotta be so proud, right? These are your people, right? We made room. You know what else we made room? We, Omar, Pastor Omar made room. You know how? Because he's been a youth pastor as far as he can remember, right? He felt God called him to be a youth pastor in the season of time. He made room by saying, Lord, really, what do you want from me in my next season of life? You know what it was? He said, I want you to become an executive pastor. Now, how many of you are watching Omar transition, even spiritually, even in front of you, from being a youth pastor to being an executive pastor? And you see it. Let me tell you this. You see him up front with this authority and this anointing. Somebody came up to me right in the middle of that and said, there's something different about Omar. There's something different. Not that he wasn't anointed before, but there's something different about that, right? Because he's walking in the fullness of his calling, making room for that. Our church is making room. You know what happened when we made that big transition? Well, we needed a youth pastor, and so we brought on Ellen, right? Ellen was amazing, right? You know, Ellen had a dream to go off to France to be a missionary, and she put that on hold because she wanted to minister to our junior high and high school kids. How long that's going to be, I don't know. I can tell you, I hope it's forever. But I'll tell you what, she's gifted, and we're really blessed. Your entire staff, like Katie in our youth, our children's program, she brought Misty onto their staff to be a co-director with her, you're running our children's kids. Let me tell you, your staff made all kinds of room. Why am I telling you all this? Because these guys actually believe this stuff. They're stretching themselves, saying, God, I want to do what you're calling me to do. And not only does this staff serve your church, but you know this staff, a whole bunch of them actually serve the district as well. You know, we're a four-square church. I don't know if you realize that. Some of you know. We're a four-square church that's connected to the Northwest Four-Square District, right? Collecting over 200 churches, over five states. That's 1,000 licensed pastors, right? That's the district you're in. The district offices are, well, right over there in that corner of the building. They're in our building, right? They're our tenants, right? Some of my friends are like, dude, your boss lives right above you. Are you all right with that? I was like, I like him. He's a pretty cool dude. You guys have met Dave. Dave shows up here every now and again, by the way. He just said, don't draw attention to me, man. That's awesome. So get this. In your church, did you know we have, we have the assistant to the district supervisor, Dan Bradley. Where are you, Dan? Wave your hand. Right here. She works in, she's part of our church. We also have Omar, who's here. He serves as the district next-gen rep. We have Ellen, who's the assistant to the district administrator, I oversee 13 churches in the district and six chaplains. We have Kari, who works for me, who is the assistant administrator for the division. We also have Katie. Katie, the one gal who works over our kids' ministry. She not only does that, but she's the district camp administrator, overseeing all the camps in our district. 200 churches, too. Come on. Katie, where you at? Come on up here, Katie. Say thanks to Katie. There you go. Why don't you give us a little bit of a report on camps? Now, now if, uh, the truth be told, as I do my research, I find out that camps over the nation are on the decline. Fewer and fewer and fewer people are sending their kids to camp because they're sending them to all kinds of other things. But why is it that in the Northwest District, our camps aren't on the decline, but they're on the increase? Well, what's amazing is that our district supports camps. 
And so when we understand the importance of what happens at camp, which is kids of all these ages um, finding their calling, um, being able to draw closer to God and how to walk this relationship out with Jesus, they get to experience and tangibly see and touch the Holy Spirit. Mm. I mean, these camps are important. And so when we as a family are under the umbrella of the Four Square District, um, they know the importance of camps. And so we get to support that. And they're growing. Last year, we had 184 kids campers for the district, 189 for junior hires, 253 high schoolers. And that was last, um, sorry, in 2014, uh, which was huge. But then this last year, 2015, it grew. So we had 203 kids campers, 217 junior hires, 217 high schools. That is 637 students who were able to go to camps that were impacted and changed. These guys here, I think I saw nearly all of them at camp last year. And here they are leading you into worship. Can I just ask these guys, how many of you as adults went to camp at some point in your life and were significantly touched by Jesus? Look around the room. There's a whole bunch of you. Can you put your hands down, right? That's amazing, right? And how, how dare us just say, no, it's not worth it. Right? You were significantly touched by Jesus. So that's why we want to see it happen. It, I mean, honestly, as you guys can see, camps are important. 85 of our students got to attend camp last year. And so our staff are heavily involved in camps. And so we were able to send off these 85 students to be changed. And it's been amazing to watch them grow up and change from year to year and grow closer to God. And a lot of them and their families, they couldn't afford for them to go. And so do you know what you did as PSCC family? We were able to send them out. Last year, you probably saw a bunch of these students trying to sell cards or bingo tickets and trying to get personal fundraising happening. But then through our annual bingo event, you guys, we've through your life groups, donated baskets, we're selling those tickets, encourage friends to come along. And did you know that you helped raise $3,228 to be able to send our kids to camp? So thank you. It really does make a difference. As you see, like nearly all of you raised your hand of being touched by camps. But do you know what's awesome is that if you want to be involved in something like this, you don't need to wait for camps that come around once a year. You, I mean, you've seen Lance over the last couple of weeks, years, encouraging you to serve. If you want an opportunity to serve our kids and bring them up and show them what discipleship really looks like, next week at the 10 o'clock service, there'll be a plugged-in meeting. Um, and if that's just you want to find out more about how to get involved, that's where you need to show up or go online to pscc.net, go to the Kids and Youth tab and fill out one of the application forms and one of us will get back to you. So a bunch of these kids go off to camp, they hang out and that whole experience. I'm just curious, does it show up back in PSCC kids? Absolutely. I mean, so we've all just completed 21 United. Our kids, do you know that they did 21 United alongside you? They were doing their journals, and they did the same readings. I had one of the parents tell me that their kids are so excited every night to do their Bible reading that they're trying to squabble over each other to see who gets to do it that night. They're excited about it. And this is planting seeds that are going to, even if they don't totally get the scripture right now, we're giving them habits, and we're showing them how to walk this thing out. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank you, you so much. Awesome. <laughs> Over this last year, <clears throat> there's been a significant amount of people who surrendered their life to Christ. A whole bunch of you were, had physical healings happen. Several of you were baptized in water. A bunch of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'd give you all the numbers if everyone actually raised their hands when they raised their hands, right? So <laughs> there's a bunch of you, and, and week after week, I see it happen, and our church is growing you realize, right, some of you actually think that this is, this is just it, right? There are two other services <laughs> of people. Some of them are sitting in your spot. You're like, that's my spot. And I'm like, no, nah, that's her spot after you. You know, <laughs> that's his spot before you. You know, it's kind of funny, right? You, we all have that moment, right? And it's funny because up here, you guys are all creatures of habit. Most of you sit in the same spot. It's kind of funny. I like, oh, look, there's Carol. I see Carol all the time. Uh, but I'll tell you what, so, so it's important, you know, that we realize that you're something bigger than something. You're more a part of something than you think. Now, God's called us to be a church that sends. Let me tell you this, church. You are a generous church. I can't tell you that more than anything else. You are a generous church, man. You give like crazy. Listen to this. This last year, we participated in a handful of outreaches. You guys did as a church. Remember, we had our, in the fall our, our Halloween outreach. Remember that? Our Halloween outreach that we believed, I believed that there was going to be 1,000 people show up, right? That was the plan. Well, we had 927 people show up, right, and 36 pregnant women. Come on. We had 115 of you show up to volunteer. Holiday Hope happened where our, East, our, our Thanksgiving and we had our Christmas Holiday Hope. Holiday Hope for Thanksgiving, you all raised $3,200 and fed 80 families. But you got to know this, man. In, in the 80 families were because we called up the school and said, hey, how can we serve to the school, the public school? You know what they said? We got a bunch of families here. Could you help them out? You know what you said? All right. You guys fed 80 families. Pretty amazing. You have 50 volunteers that volunteered to help disperse all that. And get this, we had Holiday Hope Christmas. You know Holiday Hope Christmas? You all got together and you raised over $7,000. You guys did. For, you know what you did? You bought over 600 gifts for Christmas to hand out. 600 gifts. And we had a whole, remember we stopped church early and we all went out and wrapped gifts? You guys were all part of that thing. Now here's the funny thing. Some of you were like, I would love to go on a missions trip. I'm telling you, we just did. You got to go be on a mission trip. Now, listen, it's important that some of you climb on an airplane and fly over a body of water and be a missionary over there, wherever there is, right? Across the border of the Americas. That's great. Be on a mission trip. But I'll tell you what, you're also on a mission trip here. When you go to work, when you go home, some of you, or you just get to be around people, you are a missionary. That's why it's so imperative that we bring things like this in front of you to let you become sent. Because we're a church that sends loved, mended, and trained people out. Some of you are like, well, where's the training? Where's the training happening? I'm like, right here. It's happening. This is what we're doing, right? You don't think you're being trained, but you are being trained. You know, I say things like this, just be nice, right? That's training right there. <laughs> Pay a lot of money for that in some leadership school. Two words, be nice. Get a long way with that. We had a back-to-school jam. We had a whole bunch of people would join with Trinity Church. Pastor Steve Allen led that from Trinity Church and Heather Waite, part of our staff. You guys raised over $16,000 for that back-to-school outreach. Half of that was raised by you guys specifically. Pretty amazing. We had 1,560 people show up. We gave away over 1,000 backpacks, 108 haircuts, 51 sports physicals, included an outreach from a clothing bank. We also had a whole bunch of city services that showed up there. I'll tell you what, the city was happy because somebody said something and they wanted to help somebody. 
Because too many people come to the city and say, look, and do something. You know what you guys did? We're doing something. You did it. Amen. It's awesome. That's terrible. Clap your hands. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what you guys are doing? You're changing the Puget Sound region. You guys are light and darkness. You may not feel like it, but I can tell you, when I talk to pastors in the city, you know what they tell me? What are you guys doing over there? I get together with him for coffee or breakfast or whatever. I was just with one just the other day, just up the hill. And he's just like, so what are you guys doing over there, man? Because it's like making noise. Good noise. You're doing it, man. I'm telling you, we're reaching this community. And you're doing it one person at a time. Now, listen, not only do you have a really great church that hangs out here, you have a great staff. In fact, have any of our staff who are here just stand up so you can see them? Have our staff. Some of them walking around and working. There you go. Awesome. Way to go. Awesome. If you want, listen, I, I'd introduce all of them individually and tell you all their stuff, but I'm telling you to do so much stuff. Will you go online and look at their pictures, their handsome and pretty pictures, and, and, and read what they do, and your jaw will drop because they serve like mad. So be about that. We also have a church council. Now, in Foursquare, Foursquare churches are led by a church staff and a church council. Some churches actually are led by, uh, not Foursquare churches, but other churches are, are led by a board. Some of you have heard of a church board, right? Some of you have had that, right? You know a church board? You know, you know a business meeting that churches would have like we're having right now? First of all, we used to have these meetings at a 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, right? And I'd have like 12 people show up. You know, I decided that's dumb. This is too much to celebrate. I'm telling the whole church. So we take an entire service to talk about it, have our annual business meeting, family meeting. You get this. I was telling our staff this morning. You know what? You know what? This particular business meeting back in the day, a long time ago, thank Jesus, this was the day that the congregation would raise their hands to vote. It was called a vote of confidence, whether they keep the preacher or let him go. Right? Glad we don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. We have our church council, right? Our church council is made up of some amazing people. They help oversee. The staff kind of comes up with the spiritual direction of our church and our church council. Their job is to really come alongside and help us figure out how to pay for it and come alongside and say, what do we do about this? They give counsel. They oversee all of our financial stuff, the, the fiduciary responsibilities. They oversee our, our missions program. They oversee our building. I don't know if you realize this, but we have this really big building we lease out to a bunch of people. I'll talk about that in a minute. But these guys, and you know, these guys also do is they sit down with me and they just let me dream. Sometimes I just start off on these crazy tangents and they just listen to me and I say, what do you think? And they give me, you know what they give me? Wise counsel. I tell you what, I, I, there are pastors that can't stand going to their council meetings they're scary. Let me tell you this. You're blessed. We have the best council on the planet. I'm telling you what. In fact, if you're a council member here, can you stand up where you are? A couple of you. There's a, there's a bunch of you here. <clears throat> awesome. Here we go. Let me tell you their names. Ken and Kathy Brown, Steve and Beth Hawthorne. By the way, Jesus be with Steve. He's got the flu at home today. Help him out. Alan, Sharon Hunter, Ron and Linda Bull, Yvonne Swinth, Steve and Jennifer Appleby, and Carissa Nicholas. They're amazing. Yvonne works on our church council as the, dist or as the coordinator for, to helping me run this thing. Because trust me, she's got so much, that I, so much I have to do that she figures out. So Yvonne, can you come on up here? Our church council. Now, now listen, as she's coming up here, 
our church council, these guys are all on a term, right? So they're not here forever. They, they don't, they don't, we don't hire them and fire them, but they're on like a two or three year term. And, and in that process, we get to bring them on. And, and what happens is, is, is there are some people that come off of that list every now and again. And so we have two council members that are actually coming off today and we're bringing two more on today, right? And, and the, the ones that are coming off are Ron and Linda. Are you guys here? There's Ron today, right there. And, and then also Alan, Sharon, Hunter, and they're not here at the next service. Oh, where are you at? Oh, right on. Stand up. There you go. Stay. There you go. We see them there, right? So um, I'm, I want you to tell you this. Can, can we pray for them? You got to know this. These guys have been part of, when we became, we were an independent church that became Foursquare. These guys were part of our initial church council. Let me tell you this. They, they rode through some serious tough waters. And they helped us figure out how to change bylaws and how to walk into what we're doing financially. Uh, we turn, let me tell you this, if, if you knew behind the scenes what these guys know, I'm telling you, these guys are trusted. You know, these guys are really the elders in your church. They're, they're elders. They come alongside. If you want to get some wisdom and counsel, talk to them because they're loaded with it. But these two, th- these two families, let me tell you this, I, I want to say that we're so blessed. Can, can we just pray for you too and thank you so much for serving like you did? Can you just reach your hand forward and put it on their shoulders? God, thank you so much for Al and Sharon and Ron and Linda, God, in their service to our church. Lord, we pray that you bless them. God, give them courage to step into this next season. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing through and in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have a gift for you that we're going to give to you at the next service, so make come back. All right, so <laughs> we're excited about that. And then also, brought Yvonne up here. To help us introduce our other our new two council members, can you help us with that? Dave and Danielle, where are you at? There's Dave and Danielle. And I don't and see Darlene and Mike. Oh, they're not here yet, they're but we have their the pictures right there. Those handsome couples right there. We were raising our pretty and handsome quotient right there. <laughs> Let me tell you this: they're, they're our, your church council. Now, listen, um, we I bring these these two couples before you for you to ratify that decision. Right. Our church council prayed long and hard. They sought long and hard about what it was that they were supposed to do in terms of our council members. And these are the four people that showed up on the radar. And we believe God was telling them to be a part of that. And they all just wholeheartedly said, yeah, they prayed hard about it. And so I'm asking you as a church to ratify that decision. So, so if you have a question or you have anything that you have a concern about that we don't know, we come talk to me and then I'll have a talk with them. No, I'm kidding. No, I want you to know because... They're, they're pretty gifted and amazing people. So I want you to ratify that. So it's just a, a, an applause. Can you ratify that decision this morning? Right on. Awesome. And again, if you have anything to say at all, please come talk to me about that. Well, Yvonne oversees our council, oversees missions as well. And so can you give us a little bit of a missions report? Sure. Um, we also have the, we have the show up, sync up, and serve. In missions, we have sustained support and sanction. And we, Lance has already shared with you, we really have wanted to have missions be something that happens here at our church and in our community. And we really want to release each of you to be a missionary. That's our heart. Our heart is that you see yourself as a missionary wherever God leads you from day to day um, in, in your walk throughout your weeks. But at the same time, we also want to influence um, what God is doing, not only here in our community, but in, in our world. And so... Um, what we have really prayerfully looked at and considered doing is how can we do it well as a church? 
and it's really easy. I get about two to three emails um, a month of people who are, we'd love to be a missionary from your church. Some people that we've never even met before, um, some people who are here, and, you know, we would love to support everybody, but we want to do what God's called us to do well. So um, sustain are those that we really feel like God has called us to stand alongside for the long term, that we're really going to um, give consistently um, and really have partnered with. Um, They are doing missions that's in line with our vision here at PSCC. That's also been a real important piece because there's lots of good things but what has God called PSCC to that's what we really want to support we don't want to get spread so thin that we can't do anything um, well and so for sustain we have Aaron Hunter um, Alan Sharon's son who is planting a church in Chile um, a church with a very similar vision as ours and we are really praying and would like you to pray with us we want to send a team to Chile to work with him and he's ready to receive us we're just waiting for God's timing and God to say go we've tried a couple times and God's closed it down and we're we're just standing ready to go he was here this week um, unfortunately couldn't be here this weekend but um, Pastor Lance was able to meet with him he's doing well we were able to do some extras for him um, this year and so that he could be at the Foursquare Conference as well as um, his grandmother passed away and he was able to come home and be with her and he graduated from graduate school. So he's had a lot going on and we've been able to stand with him. Chad Eisenhart, um, you see him in and out of the service here. He is on um, disaster relief with Foursquare. He's the one when there's a tornado or there's a flood or there's a bad earthquake. He's one of the first ones there. We call him the MacGyver of PSCC. He can um, make anything work. And he just has a heart to serve. And we are really excited that we can partner with him. And then we also um, are involved with the Holiday Hope and everything else that you get to get to do. In support, we have Jan Griffith in um, Sweden. And we have... Um, the campus ministries, um, we have the church plant in Parkland, um, all the activities that we're supporting. And then sanction, we know that God has put, put things on different ones of your hearts. And we want to so, be there with you. We want to be able to stand with you. We've had teams go to Mymar with the um, district um, Foursquare Outreach. We've had um, teams go to Ethiopia, a variety of other places. And we do have a couple people um, in our congregation that will be going on missions in the next month or two. So be watching. Um, we will have tables out so you can hear about their vision and what they're doing. And if what they're doing is in line with your heart and with what God is saying, then we really invite you to go and um, talk with them and join with them. We, we, it's, it, we would love to be able to really sustain everybody's vision and everybody's heart, but we just can't. And um, as God grows our church, then we hope that we can grow the um, number of ministries we're able to sustain. So, Amen. We thank our church council for that. Awesome. Awesome. Dave and Danielle, you guys are right there. Can you wave your hands? You're alive, people. Dave and Danielle, raise your hands. I saw you guys over there now. They're, they're, the new, they're part of our new church council team, so they'll be, be wonderful. Now, listen, overall, in the, uh, it, I want to give you some numbers here. Overall, at PSCC, um, I, I'm going to give you percentages. If you want to know actual numbers, then come talk to me, and I'll give you the numbers. But sometimes they just get a little confusing, so I'll give you percentages so you have a, a better picture of where we are financially. 
Our, our, our overall income comes in through three ways. Tithes and offerings comes in through missions giving or through our rental income. I don't know if you realize that. 69.4% of our income is brought in through the tithes and offerings. It, to our general fund. What does that general fund cover? Glad you asked. It covers our tithe to Foursquare. In other words, we tithe off of the tithe to Foursquare. Right? Comes, comes in that. Uh, that tithe covers our, our, that general fund covers the tithe to Foursquare, men's and women's ministries. It covers the next-gen kids ministry, PSCC youth, life group, staff salaries, hospitality, administration, worship team, sound, media. It covers all that stuff. Right? And we get a chance to be a part of all that with your general fund giving. 20.8% of our overall income came in through our rental income. We're a 72,000 square foot facility. We lease out 35,000 of it. And so it's a pretty amazing thing. We have that much of our income coming in. That rental income helps cover the rest of our mortgage payment, covers up some of the, or helps cover some of the tenant improvements and some of the things of maintenance that we need to take care of. And so we're really thankful for an opportunity for that. In fact, we have two spaces to lease if you need some space. Just for fun. We also have 10.8% of our income came in through missions, and that's the stuff that we've been talking about with missions. Over the last nine years, we've been really blessed with steady increase of growth. Uh, Pretty amazing to see the growth charts, if you see that. Um, It's amazing. Our our church is right now between 750, 800 people, and uh, the average church attender shows up twice a month. I don't know if you realize that. And you're not average. You're showing up more than that, right? So I love that. So we're growing pretty healthy. Do you realize that of our tithes and offering, 32% of you actually tithe. Now, is there a difference between tithing and offering? Let me help you. Yes. Yes, there's a difference between tithing and offering. Some people just think giving money at all is a tithe. That's awesome. That's an offering, right? A tithe is 10% of your income. Why? I don't know. The Bible said that that happened way back with the Old Testament, with, with early on, Cain and Abel, that whole thing of giving an offering to the Lord, right? A tithe, a tenth, that's what the word means. A tenth of your income. Why do we do that? So that God gets super happy with you? No, man, you don't do that so God gets happy. God doesn't need your stuff. He owns the stuff, right? It's his stuff. Tithing is just you simply saying, it's your stuff, and so am I. I give me to you. Tithing is just simply saying, okay, God, okay, I get it. I trust you. It's, it's not like some sort of an appeasing the wrath of God by giving a tithe. Tithing is just simply saying, God, I trust you, right? So that's it. 32%. Now, now are, we, are we okay with 32% of us? National averages between 10 and 25%. That's awesome, so we're ahead of the game. Or maybe 100% of us should be tithing. Maybe we should be above the national average like crazy. We should all be saying, God, I trust you with my stuff. Now, what if you've never tithed before and you're like, Lance, you don't get it. I can't. Here's what I would tell you. I've talked to too many people. I've been in ministry too long to tell you that you're wrong. And you're, the way you're going to find peace is when you step out and say, God, I trust you. When you say that, and you, you, I'm telling you, I've had so many people come to, I have my own life, my wife and I tithe. We tithe right here to our church. I love that. You realize that of all the gifts, the tithes and offerings in our church, 70% of that tithe comes in through online giving. That's awesome. I don't know if you realize that. Do you realize that we're one of the leading churches in the nation? For this push pay company in the nation with online giving, the amount of people who are doing it, that's fantastic. I, I love it. You know why? Because when the Seahawks play at 10 o'clock on a Sunday, awesome. Just kidding. I'm going to tell you this, right? So my wife and I actually tithe. We do a recurring gift. Maybe you want to try that. It sure helps take the pressure off because you know that's going to happen. And it's just this moment where it says, are you, you are going to trust Lance. <laughs> I love that. 
I talked to you this morning about being part of our family. My kids, we used to tell them that it's a privilege to be part of this family. I tell them when you get to wear a jersey that has powers on the back of your jersey, it's a privilege to wear that name. Because if you're part of the powers family, it's a privilege to be part of this. My kids would be like, I'm a powers, I'm a powers. My daughters, when they got married, they're, they're just like, I'm gonna be a powers. No, <laughs> your husband's didn't like that. Powers, we told them that, right? I wanna ask you this, are you part of this family? See, my kids, when I told them that they're part of this family, that not only did they have this privilege of being, but they also had a responsibility. And the responsibility for being part of this family was that they actually carried their weight. I'll tell you this, if one of my kids walked into the kitchen and saw garbage climbing up the wall over where the garbage can is, and walked in there and said to their mom, someone's gotta do something about that. They'd better duck. Sometimes we'll have garbage climbing up a wall in here. People will walk by it and say, someone ought to do something about that. We'll go walking into the bathroom and the thing will be overflowing and there's a mess on the ground. And some of us walk out of there and say, someone's got to do something about that. And I tell you this, for a family, we're a family. Guests can overlast their stay. Come on, you had guests at your house before, right? You're just kind of like, it's time to go, right? <laughs> but you're family. What does that mean? That you have privilege to be part of this family. What does that mean? You have responsibilities to be part of this family. I'm telling you to show up, sync up, and serve. Be part of a life group. Be part of this family. Trust God with your tithe so that next year when I stand up here and give a report, I say that there's not 32% that are tithing in our church, but I say that there's 100% of people who are tithing in our church. You mark my words next year, that number will change. Why? Because it's not about the money. It's about the trust. I want 100% of us to trust Jesus with our stuff. Why? Because there's a lost and dying world going to hell out these doors. And they gotta see people that actually believe this stuff. Because if you can't trust God with your stuff, how can you trust him with your life? Maybe this morning God's calling you to that place of removing yourself from being a guest and becoming part of the family you wearing the name on the back of your shirt everywhere you go. That's you this morning. Now take it seriously. And let's walk this thing out and cheer together next year as we hear more and more about what God's doing. More and more people getting saved. More and more people. It's, it's amazing. Could you, did you know if everybody tithed in our church, we'd pay off this building in a minute. You know, if everybody tithed in our church, you know what else we could do? We, we would have benevolence for the city of Tacoma. The city. You know how many people come into our church offices weekly and say, can you help? You know what we say? We can't. I'd love to say, what do you need help with? Bam, bam, bam. Well, I'd love to be able to do that, right? Come on. You know why? Because that's what I think Jesus would do. He wouldn't send them off to an agency. He would say, you're the agency. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Well, I pray today that there would be a decision point of whether we're a family or whether we're a guest. Lord, if we're a family, I pray today that there would be a covenant made with you, a covenant, not just an agreement, not a handshake, not a high five, but a covenant. Maybe this morning, that's what you make with God, a covenant. You say, God, I covenant to be part of family. 
means I'm going to find some place to serve. I'm going to trust you with my stuff. I'm going to connect here in this body. Because if I'm part of this family, I'm part of this family. Jesus, we thank you. Fill people with courage. In places of a culture that says not to commit, I pray that we would say, no, I do commit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.